but uh, they, they will make it so easy. They'll make it so easy. They'll give you all the words to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, today we are going to wrap up the series, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and I'm super excited to bring that. But before I get into any of that, I want to read Psalm 33. It was just really on my heart during worship, and I just want to read through this psalm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I won't comment on too much here, but it's just uh, on my heart, and I just wanted to read it to you. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him on an instrument with ten, ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all of his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of God. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven he sees all of the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all of the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all of their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye, of the, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation who follows after the way of righteousness. Blessed is that nation. We praise the Lord. We give him glory and honor and praise for he alone is worthy. He brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of people of no effect. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Anyways, I just felt that I wanted to read that. Hey, listen, uh, I don't know if you guys have been reading eight chapters a day, but I've been reading eight chapters a day, and man, I'm just, it's awesome. I can't encourage you enough. So when I read my eight chapters a day, I'm all over the place. I've never, I don't even necessarily finish the same book. I jump from place to place. Sometimes I do. Um, I finished Acts this week, um, but sometimes I'm reading Psalms, and so I'll read five, five Psalms a day. You know that five Psalms a day thing? You know how that works? There's 150 psalms. If you take the day of the month and then you multiply it by five, 
You read five Psalms a day in a month, you'll finish Psalms. And same thing with Proverbs. And so if today's the 10th day, you multiply it by five, 50, right? So you read from 46 to 50, that's five Psalms. And then you read Psalm 10. Or if it's day 20, you do the same thing, but just, just different numbers, interchangeable. And so you can do that. That's a great way to, do, uh, to read the Word or, or to just be encouraged. And it's really good. You know, if you're feeling stressed, read Psalms right before you go to bed. If you're feeling stressed, read Psalms as soon as you get up. Don't go without the Word of God. Don't go without the Word of God. Listen, the Word of God needs to be in you. It needs to be in you. And somebody might say, but listen, I read the Word and I don't remember it. That's okay. You probably don't remember what you had for lunch last Tuesday. But it nourished your body. And in the same way, the Word's the same way. You may not remember what you read every day. I mean, hope that you do remember some of it. But you read it today and it nourishes you today. You read it tomorrow and it nourishes you tomorrow. I don't remember the ham and cheese sandwich. I don't remember. I don't remember what I ate. Could have been macaroni and cheese. But the Word of God sustains me. It sustains me. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, hey, listen, we're going to wrap up. It's the end of the world as we know it. And today's message is entitled, End Times, Now What? End Times, Now What? And so for three weeks, we've talked about end times. We've looked at end times. We looked at pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, a-millennial, the men of sin, the men of perdition, the antichrist. You guys know. We looked at all of it. And so now what? Now what? And why do we want to ask this question? We always want to ask this question because knowledge by itself leads to death. When, the, when Adam and Eve ate of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it resulted in death. And any time we, we receive knowledge and we don't put it into action, it leads to death in us. When we receive knowledge and we get puffed, we get puffed up. 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, chapter 1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Verse 2, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge alone will lead us to death. So if we only have knowledge of what the end times is, it'll lead to stress. Stress will kill you. It'll at least ruin your life if it's not going to physically kill you. It will eventually kill you. Knowledge by itself leads to death. But when we apply knowledge correctly, come on, it's a tree of life. Wow. You know, I I, I I, I can't do that. Stay stay on task, man. Stay, Stay on task. Okay. We have to be careful about the amount of knowledge that we receive without putting it into action. We need to gain this knowledge and then say, okay, what do I do because of what I now know? What do I do because of what I now know? And so this is today's message. What are we to do? End times, now what? End times, we know about the end times now. Now what do we do? Let's look at the first scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. But know this, that in the last days... 
last days, end times. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its, its power. Away from such people, turn away. And from such people, turn away. That's a pretty intense list. That's a pretty intense list. There's a couple of surprises in there, if you ask me. I mean, we're talking about unholy, unloving, unforgiving, unthankful, and he throws in there disobedient to parents. Kids. <laughs> All these little chuckles around there. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Hmm. It's an interesting one. What do we esteem? Do we esteem God greater or do we esteem our pleasures greater? You know, one thing that's really been interesting through this whole uh, stay-at-home thing is that everything's shut down. What do you think you worshiped? What did you draw pleasure from? Sports? Not playing sports. Theater? Not going to the theater. Amusement parks? Not going to amusement parks. Movies? We're not going to movies. No theater. No, no this. No that. No this. No that. What's your pleasure? God. Can't go out to eat. Well, I mean, you can now. It, it's, what's your pleasure? Is it God or is it something else? And then here's what I want to focus on today. It's, it's, this, it's this last one, and I have it underlined here. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And what's interesting is that Paul gives the admonition to Timothy here to turn away from these people. Listen, you don't want to be hanging around these people. I thought that that was pretty shocking, right? These people, they, they understand what it means to live for God. But they just deny that God can actually help in any situation. I'm thinking to myself, Paul had to be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he wrote this, because I'm thinking to myself, well, geez, if somebody knows how to live, right, if they know how to do what's right, then why wouldn't I want to be around that person? But the caveat is in the second part is that they deny that God has power to help them or to do anything. Come on, you do not ever want to get around somebody who is denying that God has power. Do not, do not. Do not, do not, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Get away from these people. Listen, God has power. We just read Psalm 33. It's by God alone, right? Don't trust in horses. By, an, by the power of an army. No king is saved by the power of an army. Doesn't matter how big, doesn't matter how many missiles you've got. Is God on your side? Are, are you on God's side? God doesn't take sides. We can only take his side. God doesn't take my side. God never takes my side. I can only be on his side. 
I want to look at this scripture. Uh, I, want to, I want to drill down a little bit more on this, having a form of godliness. I want to look at the scripture. It's in, it's in uh, Joshua. It's also in Judges. And so I've got it here out of Judges. And it says this. It says, so, so the people served the Lord all of the days of Joshua and all of the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all of the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. That's verse 7. Then skipping down over, over uh, 8 and 9, uh, we come to verse 10. It says, when that, all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, when all that generation died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, served the Baals. And so we see something that's very interesting here. There's a connection between having seen all of the great works of the Lord, having seen the power of God on display, and whether or not a people chose to serve, chose to worship, chose to follow God or not. So the people serve the Lord. In other translation would say, so the people worship the Lord. All of the days of Joshua and all of the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all of the great works of the Lord. Think about the book, think about the book of Joshua just for a moment, even just the first couple chapters, right? He sticks, his, he, sticks his, he sticks his foot in the water, and what happens? The water stops flowing. Jordan River at flood stage stops flowing. The water piles up. The Israelites cross across the river on dry ground. They take 12 stones out of the bottom of the river. They build an altar. They're circumcised. They walk around this city for seven days, and the walls fall down. They walk around the city for seven days, and the walls fall down. One of those Israelites did something they weren't supposed to do, and the following day, the ground opened up and swallowed him and his whole family. These are the works of the Lord that they saw. There's great fear upon the people. There's great, there, there's great reverential awe. They're like, man, God is God. God is so big. God is so great. Go and read the rest of the book of Joshua. All of these works that they all saw. Joshua saw them. The elders saw them. The people saw them. And what was their response? Because they saw the great and marvelous works of the Lord, they were willing to serve him. They were willing to worship him. They were willing to follow him and obey him all of the days of their life. Leaders lead differently when they've been affected by the presence of the Lord. Leaders lead differently when they've seen the mighty works of the Lord. People obey better when they see the mighty works of the Lord. I'm not talking about obeying the leaders. I'm talking about obeying the word of the Lord. People obey better when they've seen the mighty works of the Lord. Here's the, here's the place where we find ourselves, church, is that God still works today. God still moves today. God still heals today. God is still working today. God is still moving in the midst of us today. When all that generation had gathered together to their fathers, when all of that generation 
passed away, when all of that generation died. Listen, don't let it go from one generation to another without focusing on, without passing along, without talking about the great works of God. This is why testimony becomes so important. Remember what the Lord has done. This is why the Israelites would build altars in the Old Testament. And so we need to remember, we need to remember that George's heart was healed and the pacemaker was removed out of his body. We need to remember that uh, the lump was taken off of your back. Remember, we need to remember that pain has gone from people's bodies. Remember, we need to remember that knees were healed in this church. We need to remember that the healing power of God is still here with us today. Judges 17, verse 6 says this. It says, in those days there was no king. So we're just moving along here, right? We found ourselves in Judges. We continue through Judges. And so, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You know, as I began to pray a while ago, the Lord led me to this verse, and he said, this is where we're at right now as a nation, America. This is a sad place. Have you read the book of Judges? It's not good. I mean, it was not a good time for Israel. They would, they would follow God for a bit, and then they would do evil in the sight of the Lord, it says. They would, they would mess up. And so then what? Then judgment would come, and, and people would die, and, and armies would come, and, and then they would repent, and they'd repent, and they'd be okay for a little while. And then what happened? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then what would happen? Somebody else would come and deliver them, and then they would repent for a bit, and then they would turn and they'd go back, and then they would again do evil in the sight of the Lord. And so this is the pattern that we see throughout all of the book of Judges for 400 years. They kept going back to doing evil in the sight of the Lord. They kept going back to doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And it, said, it says this, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This sounds like America. Turn on the TV. Everybody's got an opinion, and everybody's doing whatever they think is right. continuing to move forward. So how do we get out of this? How did Israel get out of this? First Samuel, we're just reading through the Bible. First Samuel, we're just reading through the story. It's about, I believe it was about, I believe the book of Judges, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Steve, was about 400 years. He's, he's shaking his head, I'm close. First Samuel uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 11. Now the, boy, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Verse 11, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And so how do we get out of this? What do we do now that we understand the end times? We find ourselves in the end times, and so what are we supposed to do? We need to tune our ear to hear the word of the Lord. We need to tune our ear to hear the word of the Lord. Okay? Now the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. The, the word of the Lord's not rare today. I wouldn't say that the word of the Lord's rare today. There's, there's a lot of the word of the Lord. Like if you just Google or if you're on YouTube and you follow anybody on Facebook, there's prophecies coming out all the time. There's prophecies continually coming out. Sometimes they're conflicting with one another. The Word of God doesn't conflict with one another. And so what do we know? We know that someone's right and someone's not right. 
And so what do we know? What, what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? We have to know that we need to hear the word of the Lord for ourselves. We need to know Jesus, and when we know Jesus, when we hear the word of the Lord, we're going to be able to say, yes, that's God. And so I cut out verses 2 through 10. That's the whole part where um, Eli's lying in his bed, and Samuel's lying in his bed, and Samuel hears the Lord call him, only he thinks it's Eli, and so he gets up and he runs in, and he's like, you called? He's like, I didn't call. And he goes back, and then he comes back, and, then, and that happens three times. And then Eli finally figures out, and he says, no, it's the Lord calling. So the next time you hear the voice, you hear God call, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel does that, and then this is what the Lord says. He says, then behold, the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The word of the Lord is being spoken right now. Are we hearing it? Are we hearing it? Are we hearing it? You know, conflicting voices, right? And sometimes we just need to discern what it is exactly that we're hearing. Uh, Paul heard the Lord. I, I told you I just recently read through Acts. Paul heard the voice of the Lord. And so he understood that he was to go to Jerusalem and then he was to go on to Rome. Right, And so if you've read through Acts like I have, which I know many of you, most of you have, you remember that as he's making his way, as he's making his journey from wherever it was he started to get to Jerusalem, people keep warning him and people keep telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. You can't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be uh, put in prison. Don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get uh, uh, whipped and flogged. Don't go to Jerusalem. We have conflicting words from the Lord. The Lord speaks to Paul, go to Jerusalem, and then on to Rome. God's speaking to other people and saying, don't go to Jerusalem. You can't go to Jerusalem. What's the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord is go to Jerusalem. And so, and yes, Paul said, right? So Agabus says, right? Agabus takes the belt and he, he binds Paul's hands and he says, him whose belt this is, uh, when he gets to Jerusalem, shall be bound and beaten. And so what happened? The response of the church was in, in, in just imploring Paul not to go. Paul, don't go. Don't go. Paul, don't go. And what does Paul turn around and say? He says, I know the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and said to me that chains and imprisonment await me in every single city in which I shall go. Paul heard the word of the Lord, and he said, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm doing it. It's what God wants. I'm there. I'm gone. I'm done. The decision's been made. Jesus said it. That settles it. The church heard the word of the Lord, and they were they, the word of the Lord, the, what they heard was chains and imprisonment. And they're like, that's not good. Don't go. Paul didn't have to have an explanation. Maybe Paul knew everything that would transpire and that him going to Jerusalem and being in prison would lead him to a two-year stay in Jerusalem, Caesarea, preaching to Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and then a journey to, to Rome in which he would be able to... Maybe he knew that. Maybe he didn't, and he just trusted God. I leaned toward the ladder. I leaned toward the ladder where he really didn't know all that was going to transpire, but he just trusted God. He heard the word of the Lord say, you've got to go to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. 
And so because he heard the word of the Lord, he, 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 set, his, he set his face like Flint. I'm going. I, the decision's been made. Listen, you can't talk me out of it. I don't care if I die there. Paul had already written, I, he hadn't written the word, letter to the Philippians yet, but he had already made the decision. You know, when, when, uh, when Paul gets knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and Jesus uh, speaks to Ananias and he says, go to my servant Saul, whose name will be Paul, right? And what does he say? <laughs> he, sa he says, for I must show him that he must suffer much things for my gospel. What a salvation experience. My salvation experience wasn't anything like that. I got saved and it's, your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation in Christ. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, become all things are new. Praise God, this is great. Paul gets saved and it's, you're going to suffer a lot for me. Yeah, come on. Listen, Paul, I'm, I'm not making light of this. Well, listen, Paul was a passionate man for God. Paul was a passionate man for God before he ever got knocked off his horse on that road to Damascus. He severely persecuted the church of the way, what we know as Christians today. He severely persecuted them. Why? Because he had a love for God that was intense. And death wasn't out of the question if you were going to step in his way of his God. When he became a Christian, nothing changed. His passion and intensity got worse. You think I'm passionate? I'm sure I'm nothing compared to Paul. I've never killed anybody for Jesus. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus said don't do that. That's an Old Testament thing. That's why the Pharisees did it. Uh, I'm messing all the theology up here. <laughs> his life, he knew, was not his own. He'd write this later in all the letters. Thank God Paul went to prison for a couple years. Two, three, four. Thank God he was in prison because it gave him time to write well, most of what we know as the New Testament. Behold, I will do something in Israel. I, behold, I'm, God is doing something in the earth. And both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. God has a plan. God has a plan. I haven't gotten the full download. I'm walking this out day by day just as we all are. Where do I know that we're at? I know that we're at Judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. But God wants to speak to us, to me and to you, and to call us out individually, set us on our own path that we might... Change this nation for God. Change this world for God. It's always his heart's desire. God desires that all men would come to the saving knowledge and that none should perish. That's God's heart. 1 Samuel 13, But now your kingdom shall not continue, for the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded you. This is Samuel's proclamation to King Saul after he disobeyed, saying that God has chosen another. He's found another man. He's found David who has a heart after God. And this is what Acts has to say about David. It says, when he had removed Saul, this is Paul speaking in Acts. He says, when he had removed Saul, 
He raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony, said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. Come on. We have to have a heart after God. There's no more, there's no more questions. There's no more second guessing. There's no more am I in or am I out. We're just all in. We're just all in. There's no halfway. Halfway won't cut it anymore. If you're halfway in these days, if you're halfway in the end times, you'll be swept away. We need to be all in. So we need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to be all in. For the word of the Lord, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What are we to do? End times, now what? We just learned all about the end times, now what? Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Too often we hear end times and we're like, all right, let's, let's stress someone out over mid-trib, post-trib, pre-trib, no-trib, tribity-trib. Let's just talk about it until we're so anxious that we're just going to have a heart attack. That's not what the word says. Therefore, stress one another out with these words. This, therefore, terrify one another with these words. You know, how did we get to this place where we talk about end times and we terrify one another? How did we get to this place? Because some time ago, some preacher probably had a great idea that if we talk about the end times, we'll scare the bejeebers out of, out of the unsaved and they'll really want to come to Christ. But what happened was half of the congregation that he was preaching to that thought they were Christians didn't have a great relationship, and they were terrified. And so they kept going, and they kept terrifying everybody else that they would speak to. I'm sure this is the way it went down. <laughs> Terrify one another with these words. No, comfort one another. Take everything we know about the end times and comfort one another. Therefore, argue with one another about these words. That's not what it says. <laughs> Listen, I told you before at the beginning, I'll tell you again, I don't care if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Because no one got it right the first time Jesus came. We counted on our hand the number of people that actually knew that Jesus came. I don't think it's going to be any different when he comes the second time. I thought it was going to be, man, I, it doesn't fit any of the trib things that Pastor Matt talked about. It's not pre, mid, post, or no. It's something totally different. That's fine. Listen, I don't, it doesn't matter. I, it just doesn't matter to me. I, I won't argue over, over it with people. Uh, you can have your own opinion. That's great doesn't affect Jesus. Jesus is still coming back. Whether you think about it rightly or not, he still comes back. If I believe post-trib, but I really know Jesus, I'm still going if it's pre-trib. 
if I'm pre-trib and it's post-trib or no trip, I'm still going when the trumpet sounds and people fly up in the air and the rapture happens. I'm going because I know him. I don't go because I, I know the, the end time scriptures the right way. Encourage one another. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. And so, it's the re remember, revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the terrible end times. It's not the revelation of the, the worst period of time on earth. It's not the revelation of any of that. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so use all of this. Use everything that we've talked about only to come to the place of knowing Jesus Christ more and encouraging others more. Use this and, and let it fuel your soul so that you know what's about to come upon the earth and so that you have more of a fire and more of a passion to get out there and preach the word of God. Amen. To get out there and preach repentance and turning away from sin. The solution for America is simple. People need to turn from sin. <laughs> it's just that simple. Not easy. I don't know how to get people to turn away from their sin because they like sin, right? First Timothy, the first verse we said, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'd rather do what feels good here and now than serve God, which there's actually greater pleasure in. Lord Jesus, help us. All right, listen, let's pray. We began this by highlighting the scripture uh, of those who deny the power of God. And so let us never be a people that deny the power of God. Let us never be a people that uh, think differently than the fact that God is able to move here and now today, to move the hearts of men and women, to touch, to heal to break down, to lift up, to pull down strongholds. There is, there is no heart too far from Jesus. There is no city that Jesus cannot save. There is no nation that cannot be turned back to God. All he needs is someone who's willing to help him because he won't do it on his own. He won't do it on his own, and we can't do it on our own. We absolutely need him, and he wants us. It's a commission together, the two of us, on mission. Father, we pray today. God, I pray that every word that we've spoken about the end times would just fuel our hearts. And God, that you would just cause us to encourage one another, cause us to... Uh, Comfort one another with the words that we've heard, with the words that we know. God, we pray that we would be a people who are all in. God, that there would be no halfway. And God, I pray that we would hear the word of the Lord. That we would hear the word of the Lord both corporately and individually. God, that we would be like the, the sons of Issachar, who knew the times, who were able to discern the times, and they knew what Israel should do. God, I pray that anointing upon this church. God, that we would know what it is that we are to do. 
And God, I pray that you would send us forth in mighty exploits. God, that we would do great works for the kingdom of God. God, we pray that your spirit would go with us wherever we go, that we would bring peace, that we would bring healing, that we would bring wholeness. God, that we would bring every aspect of the kingdom that we read about in the book of Acts. God, that we would see it all before our very eyes. God, I pray that we would see things we've never seen before. God, we pray right now for the greater works to come upon us as a church. Not just here in church, but as we're in the streets, as we're in the highways, as we're in the coffee shops and the restaurants and the, market, and the supermarket, God. God, that the greater works be poured out in those places. God, that we would not be ashamed of the name of Jesus and that we would not be ashamed to pray for people wherever we go. God, we pray, turn America back to God. God, we pray, have your way. Have your way in this place. God, move upon the hearts of men and women right now, Lord. If you're here today and you hear me talking about this relationship with Jesus and you've never had a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, I just want to invite you to, to step into that relationship today. Jesus came and he died on a cross so that your sins and mine could be forgiven and so that we could have relationship with God the Father. He did that for you, and all we have to do is ask him. And so if, if that's you today and you want that relationship with Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, if you're here with us today, I'd ask you to check your card where it says, today I follow Jesus for the very first time. If you're watching at home or you're watching online and that's you, send us a message. Send me a message at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. I would love to uh, send you some information, whether it's online or whether it's here in the church. I'll send you some information about what your next steps are in following Christ and how, and how that happens and how we can help you to make that happen. And so at this time, we're going to receive the offering. And just...